Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at thirty thousand feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus. Hi, I'm Jenny Lynn Bader. I'm so grateful that Gather by the Ghost Light is keeping the tradition of radio theater alive and well. And here's their production of my play, Communal Table. All right, welcome back to Gather by the Ghost Light Original Stories for Radio Theater. I'm Jonathan Cook, your host, producer, and sometimes voice actor on this thing. Man, what a year it's been so far! My small reading team and I—we have been busy, just really busy, reading through over 700 script submissions to our upcoming Off Broad Street Short Play Festival. And I'm happy to say that likely within the next two weeks, we will be able to announce the eight selected plays that we will be producing in the festival. But look, I wish we could choose more than eight plays. I really do because. We read so many great scripts. There were so many great submissions, and trimming it down to only eight plays that our team collectively feels are the best for the festival has been a very difficult task. And I've been on both sides of it. I have been the writer submitting my script out to theaters, doing festivals just like this, and now I kind of see their view and and see how hard it is to make those final selections after reading so many great scripts. But everyone that did submit. Thank you all so much for sharing your work with us. The Off Broad Street Short Play Festival will be taking place at Le Chat Noir Theater in Augusta, Georgia, in April. Now, Le Chat Noir Theater—you guys have heard me talk about this theater before. We did our first live event there back in October when we recorded the play Kingdom. Our upcoming short play festival will take place there, and we also have several other events being planned this year that will also be happening at Le Chat Noir Theater. But let me tell you about the play they are currently producing. It's called None of the Above and was written by Jenny Lynn Bader. It's a play about a sophisticated private school teenager who answers the door one day expecting her drug dealer, and instead she finds her SAT tutor. And of course they clash along the way, but also they come to an understanding. It's a comedy about privilege, probability, and getting into Princeton. Opening night for None of the Above will be on February 9th at the Chat Noir Theater in Augusta, Georgia, and it runs for two weekends. So go check that out if you're in the area. And coincidentally, today's story, right here on Gather by the Ghostlight, not only features the two lead actors you'll see in the play None of the Above, but it was also written by the same author, Jenny Lynn Bader. 
Miss Bader is an award-winning playwright currently residing in New York City, and today you're going to hear her play called Communal Table. Have you ever had to share a table in a cafe with the wrong people? Well, you are about to meet three characters who end up at the same table on a summer afternoon in June, the day of the summer solstice. Now, gather around the ghost light, sit back and enjoy. This is Communal Table, written by Jenny Lynn Bader. And be sure to stick around after the story to hear an interview with the writer and the voice actors. When you ordered your drink, did they ask you any questions about it? No. Good. Are you okay? Oh yeah, fine. When this place first opened, they used to know my drink. Remember the days when you'd come into a cafe and they know your drink? Not that long ago. Um, You're probably a little young, but I remember. They know my drink, which size, which sweeteners. They know that I want ice, even in the winter. (laughs) It's odd, but I drink ice drinks all year round. Oh, you're kidding. There's so much staff turnover now. No one knows my drink here anymore. It's not like I expect anything like that. But today, when I order my medium ice latte, the barista asked me. She's not the first one to ask me. She says, do you want skim? As if skim is something to want. As if less is more. Skim used to be a special request, like cinnamon sugar or extra foam. It was extra, but now it's the norm. The staff here thinks all of us want it, as if we're all on one gigantic diet and what I want to know is when did skin become the default the default you mean like the default setting on a computer yeah that's exactly what I mean it's like you can't leave the house without someone asking if you want skim Ugh. it's just gonna be one of those days isn't it I hope not I just really want a peaceful day you're nice thanks now you're thanking me for your being nice that's ridiculous I bet you were well brought up and All you want is a peaceful day, but you sat at the communal table. You really have faith in your fellow humans. There weren't any other seats available. I try to be like you, and I can be for a while. I can be so freaking polite. But then, as things build up over time, I reach a limit. Do you ever reach a limit? You don't, do you? You just keep it together. I try. I try too, but then several thousand baristas ask me if I want skim, and then one afternoon, poof! You know what? Now that we've had this conversation, I'm going to be better. Not let stuff get to me. Someone like you is a good role model for someone like me. Thank you. You're welcome. And why do I care so much? Why do I feel so offended on behalf of a few percent fat? Did I scare you? I didn't mean to. Sorry about that. It's okay. Spit a little on your chin there. Yeah. I'm just thinking about this skim thing and wondering if it's because people don't understand whole milk. They think whole means 100% fat, but do you know what percent fat is actually in whole milk? Yes. You do? It's 3.25%. Wow. Are you a nutritionist or something? No, I just have a good head for numbers. Really? I was going to say I heard it was between 3 and 4, but 3.25? You are good. Yeah, that's the figure for the mean percentage by weight. I don't even know where I read that. Numbers just stick with me. When I read them a couple of times... Or once. Unfortunately, when I read a number, I don't forget it. Why would that be unfortunate? A lot of numbers are depressing, so they make me sad. I guess even the great stuff has a downside. Wow, if numbers stuck with me like that, I'd be, I don't know, making lots of money on the stock market or something. (laughs) (laughs) I remember a number here and there, if it's important, but most numbers don't do that. Stick with me. 
other things stick. I'm not an idiot. Ideas stick with me. Actually, some of them refuse to go away. I don't only mean ideas about milk fat, though little things like that can sometimes set me off. It's usually more ideas about the cosmos. The ideas that can really recalibrate your reality. Right, I'm but sure. But don't even get me started on, I can't believe it's not butter. You know why? Because I can definitely believe it's not butter. <laughs> that stuff is disgusting. Have you ever tried it? There is no way it's butter. So why would someone not believe it? <laughs> yeah. I can't tell whether you agree with me or whether you're just really the politest person I've ever met. Or both. Or both. Touche. Nice meeting you. I'll let you get back to whatever it is you're doing. Have a good one. You too. Beautiful day. Finally. That looks so good. Is, is that whipped cream? Yeah, this is the frozen hot chocolate with whipped cream. Just what I was wondering. Thank you. Hey, do you know him? Never seen him before in my life. You think he really can't identify whipped cream? He just wanted to know what I was having. Mm. What do you mean, mm? Just, mm. Nothing. Yours looks so good, I, I got one too. Do you mind if I sit here? Go ahead, it's a communal table. Uh, Siri, will you text Ivar that we're confirmed for four o'clock tomorrow? I have multiple results for evil. Uh, cell number, thanks. Sorry about that. If you don't do something when you remember, you forget. <laughs> I know how it is. Is this your newspaper? It's hers. Mind if I uh, look at the front section? Go ahead. Thanks. Can you believe seven-year-olds are being recruited as soldiers in Yemen? I know. It's awful. The United Nations estimated that 10,000 people were killed there in the last two years, but they were off by a factor of six. It's actually 60,223. Are those figures in this article? No. I read it last week. And then... There's so much that's happening right now that I can't believe. That's why I need so much chocolate. Oh yeah? How much? I'm here at least twice a day. I can't believe you just told him that. So this is where you hang out? It's where I caffeinate. Excuse me, that's a client email I have to deal with right away. Good, just ignore him. Sorry about that. Now she's apologizing? Oh, if you need to work, just ignore me. No, there was just something a little urgent, but fine now. Well, what do you do? I'm a day trader. You must be very quick. Oh, if you're a day trader, you don't want to be someone who misses anything. Wow. That was very serious the way you said that. I got chills. You must scare the hell out of people you trade with. So how does it work? You just buy and sell during the day, but you don't hold anything overnight? Have I got that right? That's it. Wouldn't you want to? Sometimes hold something overnight. Oh my god, really? You're talking about a more traditional kind of investing where you assess the fundamental underlying value of the equities. Hmm. I don't make those kind of judgments. I look for little discrepancies in valuation that crop up minute by minute. Wow. Your time must be so important to you. Sure it is, buddy. Of course. I savor every moment, don't you? Yeah, but uh, the market's closed. This must be your calm time of day, right? Well, it's closed here, but Singapore opens in a few hours, so I just had to get back to them about that. But yes, there's a little lull in between, so chocolate. You know, chocolate's very good for you. It better be. I need a lot of it to function. 
Remember the famous story about how red wine was good for you on 60 Minutes? You know, 22 million households watched it, and red wine sales went up 44%. I think chocolate is gonna be next. I mean, first they learn it's an antioxidant, then that it enhances mood. I feel like next there's gonna be an official study on a news show. It's inevitable. So here's my idea for you. Giving it to you for free because I like you. You should invest in chocolate companies. Thanks, but I don't do that kind of long-term value investing. I'm a day trader. So you don't care about value? Of course I do. It's the most important thing there is. Worth is... It's worthless. Value is much deeper. Much more important. It's what you want to look for in a stable company. A stable government. A stable human being. But why wouldn't you invest in it? Because it's difficult to assess right away. It's not as predictable unless you're talking in the very long term. If you're looking for a way to increase your earnings every day, I find financial instruments are more reliable in the very short term. Excuse me. Singapore calling? Shh, one sec. Dude, take a hint. Oh, yes. Now, you might think that because I have these great ideas about the market that I'm an investor too, but... Oh, I can tell you're not. Real investors don't come up to me in cafes with ideas about places I should invest. Right. Oh, you think they filter the water here? You know, I've wondered that. Hope so. It wouldn't be very hard for them to put the water through one of those pitchers that removes all the particles. You can also do that under the sink. I have an attachment under my sink. You're kidding. I used to have a filter attachment outside of my faucet, but under the sink. I never heard of that. That's fascinating. Oh, give me a break. Is that the latest thing? I don't think so. My mom had one at least 10 years ago. Ugh, I can't take this. Where is my crossword puzzle? You enjoying the summer so far? Oh, yeah. June is my favorite month. Why is that? I don't know. I like everything about it. I get along well with my father, and there's Father's Day. I like weddings, and they're often weddings. You forgot Flag Day. Flag Day. That's cute. I would never forget about it. I like to celebrate that one. Really? And what I also love is today. Summer solstice. You know, the way the sun suddenly gets going, which gives us that summer solstice. Which is why, of course, it's the longest month. Oh, stop. It is not the longest month. What? You don't have to talk to him. I know that. I'm sorry. I just can't anymore. I said nothing when you pretended not to know what whipped cream was. It's not exactly. I said nothing when you obnoxiously sent a text that you could have typed by speaking to your watch to show her, to show all of us that you have the very latest model of that watch. What? It's a small screen. I always talk to it. I allowed you a section of my newspaper and I listened while you used the horrors happening in the world to further your personal agenda. Hey, that's... When you basically got her to give you her schedule, I said nothing. Hey, not fair. I know she's here twice a day. I have no idea. But why. I can't remain silent any longer in the face of the worst pickup lines I have ever heard. They're not pickup lines. I'm just being friendly. Because your latest ones are not only bad, they're entirely wrong. June is not the longest month. It's actually one of the shorter months. It contains the longest day. That's what I meant. I'll tell you what you meant. The longest day of the year takes place in June. On June 21st in this part of the world, today, it's known as the summer solstice. You know why they call it that? Not because the sun gets going. Solstice. It's from the Latin solstitium, which means the sun. Stand still. It stops moving, which is the opposite of getting going. 
you're being a little bit literal. Astronomy? It's literal. I just mean the sun was doing its thing. You can't go around spreading misinformation like that. This is the day the North Pole points directly at the sun. 23 degrees north latitude, so the noon sun appears at its highest point of the year, nearly directly overhead. I noticed that today that the sun was really high. Very good. That's how summer begins. That angle is what makes this the longest day of the year. Oh yeah. It's funny, I can think of another reason today feels like the longest day of the year. It's important not to confuse things. Did you know that on Venus, a day is longer than a year? No. So many people get that wrong. How can a day be longer than a year? Because a day means one spin around the axis, while a year means one orbit around the sun. Look. See these two napkins? So Earth is doing this, while Venus is doing that. What are you, some kind of astronomer? I work at the planetarium. I love the planetarium. You know, I never would have guessed that. But that doesn't give you the right to interrupt. It was so rude. You were rude to the universe. I was having a private conversation. At a communal table, while misrepresenting the cosmos. She's right. You were really imprecise. I should go. You're very sensible. And he's right. You are rude. And have been since you sat at my table and put your newspaper sections all over it. Don't you see it's insulting that you thought you had to help me? Do you think I'm incapable of protecting myself? That no one's ever hit on me in a cafe before? Do you think because I'm kind and responsive and I'm going to be emotionally manipulated by some guy I just met? That because he's flirting, we can't have a civil conversation? That because he mentioned the tragic child soldier situation to me that I'm going to be thinking I must follow this man to the ends of the earth because he cares about child soldiers? Have you considered that you shouldn't make so many assumptions about a person you don't know? That we all should not make assumptions about people we don't know? Just because we happen to be sharing a table with them? I, I really don't know why they make people share tables. We're not wired for it. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to find a non-communal place to sit at where I can check in on my markets and drink my frozen hot chocolate. In peace! That's my newspaper. Ugh. Hey, wait up. She slammed the door on my nose. <laughs> I hope you're happy. No, it's just funny. <laughs> Maybe a little funny. Not what I was <laughs> expecting. You were so harsh, I thought. Wait, what's your name? Minna. Minna. Nice name. I'm Gary. I thought, I should bring this woman Minna around with me. Then when I try to meet a woman, Minna can yell at me at just the right moment. Then the woman will have to come to my defense and take me into her arms. Not you, the woman, I mean. As if I'm not a woman? No, of course you are. I'm just imagining a theoretical woman who's open to meeting people. Right. And then you could become my wingwoman. I couldn't do that, because I'd have to listen to you say those same lines all the time. I would never repeat lines. Really? Those were made up specifically for her? Of course. I mean, if a line was really good, like solstitium, wow. Thanks for that one. I'm going to have to keep that one for a rainy day. Or rather, a really sunny day. Guess I can only use that one on June 21st. Maybe next year. Oh, Jesus. I gave you a line. I'm going to be sick. Why? I'm not that bad. She was very happy talking to me. I said what I thought she would like, and she did. Till you came along. So how do you customize these? I mean, what would you say to me rather than to her? You? Mm. I would never try to pick you up. You're a very hostile person. Good. But I'd love you to tell me more about the universe. 
Oh, no, no, and no. No, really. Of everything that's happened this afternoon, that was the most interesting part. When you explain the universe in a way that I never understood it. It was fascinating. Fascinating? Where have I heard that before? Oh, it must have been where you were talking about the under-the-sink water filter. Tell me, is the universe more fascinating than the under-sink water filter? A lot more fascinating. Though they're similar. The universe is similar to an under-sink water filter in the same sense that they're both bullshit. No, it's because the hidden element, the the parts you can't see, are the parts we most need to understand. We're all wearing blinders, aren't we? All not seeing that all we can see is the Earth way of thinking, stuck with the mindset of one particular planet. We live in a universe, but we know only one world of it. When you were doing the demonstration with the crumpled up napkins, I thought, we take so much for granted. We think it's so obvious a day is shorter than a year. We think of that, the default. You mean like the default setting of a computer? Yes, yes, that's what I mean. But then, there's this other planet where a year can last longer than a day, completely challenging the way we think about time. Yes. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't usually like to have a default setting changed. Oh, me neither. Like how taxis used to be default quiet, but now they can't be because, because taxi, taxi TV, TV is, is too loud. loud. Who decided the TV should be turned on when you go in? And remember the time before carbs were evil? Getting a basket of rolls in a restaurant was the default. But now, you have to ask for rolls. Sometimes for each roll, one at a time. Yeah, you can't even assume bread anymore. I miss not having to ask for water, too. Don't get me wrong, a water shortage is a terrible thing, and people who don't like water shouldn't get it automatically, but those of us who do drink it, it, what a pleasure it was receiving a simple glass of water when we walked in. As if the restaurant knew us and understood us. Yes, but with default beverages, the one that really gets to me is skim. Oh my god, yes. When did skim become the default? I know! Why, when you order a cappuccino, do they ask if you want skim? Don't you think I would have mentioned that up front? Right? So, yeah, I like most of the defaults we have. I get disoriented when they keep changing. But then there are others I wish would change. Oh, me too! The organ donation box on the driver's license? If it were just automatically checked, if the, the checkbox check were the, the default... default and you would have to uncheck it if you didn't want to donate. Think of how many lives would be saved. Then thinking about time. Time is so important to think about. Yes, and we've divided it up in such a specific way. We set the clocks back, we set them forward, we have favorite months. We come in here between four and five. Yeah, we decide to make up our own hours or waste time or divide it up into little pieces like the day trader we were just talking to. And she has a job where she has to decide whether to buy or sell every second. We spend our whole lives in relationship to time, and we don't realize how planet-specific that is. How could we? Most people don't even look at other planets and what might be going on there. Just thinking about a planet where a day is longer than a year makes you question all of your assumptions. Makes you think about the height of the sun and the tilt of the Earth in relation to your day, in relation to all of your days. I want that context, that bigger conversation. You're talking about the grand scheme. Sure, I'm very fond of all the little conversations we have in passing. I love water filtration, number crunching, and chocolate. There are so many good conversations to be had. But they all pale in comparison to the deepest conversation and the grand scheme of the universe. Because it's vast and humbling in its scope. Puts everything in perspective. Do you think the people on other planets are amazed by how time works on Earth? If there's intelligent life out there, of course they're having this conversation. They'd have to be. Thinking about how the angles of light and air, the relationship of planetary systems to one another, impacts your own reality. It's the key conversation. It changes the way we have all the other conversations. I hate to say it, but I agree with you. 
It's why I had to interrupt. Your mischaracterization of the solstice was- A violation of that. Of course it was. I shouldn't have interrupted, but I'm glad you see my point. Nice talking to you. So, can you explain again how Venus works? You really want to know how Venus works? I'm getting the basic gist, but I'd like to understand it better. You mean explain again with a crumpled up napkin? Actually, I own a dog, so I happen to have a rubber ball. To play fetch with? On most days. He likes fetch, and on most days after our evening walks, we play fetch with this ball. But today, the longest day of the year, when the sun comes to a complete standstill at a 23.5 degree angle, this can be a planet. Hmm. That was Communal Table, written by Jenny Lynn Bader. It was performed by Elizabeth D. Moore as Allie, Shelby Lauren Smith as Minna, and Mickey Lay as Gary. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With me now is the writer of the story you just heard. She's a playwright living in New York. She's a Harvard graduate with plays that have been published by Dramatist Play Service, Smith & Krauss, Applause, Vintage, among others. She's also served as a frequent contributor to the Weekend Review for the New York Times. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jenny Lynn Bader. How are you? Doing very well. How are you? Doing good, doing good. And uh, also with us are uh, two actors that uh, everyone just heard their voices in your play, Communal Table. Uh, we have Mickey Lay, who played Gary, and Shelby Lauren Smith, who played Minna. How's it going, guys? Hi, good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so, Jenny Lynn, you have a very impressive resume and a background, and I know my intro didn't even scratch the surface of all your accomplishments. Could you, in your own words, uh, give us a little background of your how you got into theater, how you got into writing, just a little bit of everything about you, your, your synopsis, let's say that. Oh boy, synopses, you know, take me longer to write than plays, <laughs> especially if they're really short. So I don't know if you want me to do that, but, uh, but basically I actually started out right after college. I was, a star I was directing a little bit and I was sort of looking for a play to direct that I couldn't find and I was also doing a lot of other jobs where I was, you know, freelancing for magazines and I was writing a humor book and I was writing somebody's newsletter and I was play reading at a theater. And one day I looked at everything I was doing and said, what's wrong with this picture? You 
write everything but plays, you read nothing but plays, and you're looking for a play to direct and can't find it. Maybe you should write a play. So that's how I kind of wrote my first play. And uh, things kind of snowballed from there. Okay. And how old were you when you wrote like your first play? Was it high school, college, or were you older? Well, my very first play was was written in, in high school. Um, it was at a summer camp. And I was a theater uh, junior counselor. And I wrote a play and, and directed it there at Bucks Rock Creative okay. and Performing Arts Camp. Um, and the, the junior counselors are supposed to assist and direct the main stage plays. We were not necessarily supposed to be writing our own plays. Sometimes the junior counselor would direct, uh, usually they would direct one play, but they wouldn't usually also write it. So we kind of went rogue and yeah. and did that for, for a couple of years. So I did have some experience uh, writing plays in both high school and college, but right. yeah, professionally afterward. And since then, you've written a ton of plays. You've written full-length plays, short plays. Um, and we have something really cool going on in town right now. Uh, Le Chat Noir Theater here in Augusta, Georgia. They are currently in rehearsals for your full-length play, None of the Above. Oh, wow. And look, someone brought the acting edition. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Coincidentally, the two actors with us right now are the ones performing on stage. So not only did the audience hear them voice act in your play community table, but if you want to come see the play in Augusta, Georgia, and it opens in mid-February, uh, these two actors are going to be the ones on stage performing in None of the Above. And I just thought that was really cool to kind of pull them in uh, for this audio play performance as well. They are getting the full experience of doing my work. Exactly. And for Communal Table, uh, I think, you know, what I love most about that script, uh, I just love the defined characterization. It's a, The characters have a lot of high dynamic range because you have... You know, you have Allie who's just there for chill and get some peace. And then Minna comes along and just complaining about stuff. And then Gary shows up and is just making friendly conversation. A little flirty, but not the toxic macho type flirty. And uh, and so you have these three characters, different motivations. And I'm curious, as the writer, are you someone that has sat at a communal table and eavesdropped and people watched? Have you had this type of experience or situation before? Well, of course, I absolutely love eavesdropping. I mean, I don't think you'll find a writer who doesn't love eavesdropping. It's a kind of great source of, you know, ideas and just inspiration and, and being in the world. Um, I definitely also like to sit at my own table. <laughs> so, you know, I like to be at a table near someone's table. So the I, I find the idea of the communal table sort of a little extra terrifying. And that was something I definitely you know, wanted to explore a little bit. I'm also really interested in the way people change when they're around other people. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, there's a whole history of, you know, the idea of trait psychology that, you know, characters have certain fixed traits and we behave according to those traits. And then there was a psychologist, Walter Michelle, who came along and said, oh, actually, you know, people ch behave differently, not based on fixed traits, but sort of more ba based on, situations and circumstances and things that surround them. And, and I think that's just, that can not, it's not for everybody. I mean, I think that some people are really much more fixed and some people are much more mutable and changeable when they're with other people. And some people really are less likely to let, you know, others 
transform their personality and others are very transformative and change from person to person. So, um, but meanwhile, playwriting hasn't always caught up with that, you know? So I feel like a, when I'm watching theater, I'm often watching sort of people with fixed traits behaving a certain way. And I'm interested in creating theater where people are, you know, sometimes fixed, but there's sometimes they really get affected and they, you know, if they're flirting, they talk a little bit differently. And if they're eavesdropping, they're, they're acting a little bit differently and how all of these people sort of have to cope with each other. Why can't we all just get along? Cause apparently, you know, a lot of the time people can't, but you know, this, this, all these questions were just kind of bubbling over for me in this play. Yeah. And then I love the little, the little twist at the end where, the two characters that you didn't think would really connect at the end, they kind of do connect. And I just, that was a nice little touch at the end. So since we have our, the actors here that perform these characters. Uh, so Mickey, let's get your, uh, when, when I sent you this script and I, I told you about this other play that, that this author wrote that you were performing in none of the above, uh, when you read this script, uh, what were your thoughts on it and, uh, and your preparation for this or any character notes that you made along the way when prepping for recording day? Um, well, one of the things I read, because I'd already read none of the above uh, prior to reading this and prep for the show, but um, it was interesting to me, and Ms. Bader, this might be something that like I'm just not steeped enough, well enough in scripts for, um, but it's interesting to me. I find that outside of the musical theater space, um, you don't really see a lot of the rom-com genre you know, uh, unless it's, you know, attached to something, but some big fluffy musical. So it's interesting to see a nice kind of like even headed rom-com in just kind of a straight play. Um, as far as characters on communal table, I will say that when I first read him though, I was like, this guy just oozes toxic positivity. I hate it. <laughs> uh, so for Shelby, uh, you were Minna um, complaining about skim milk and all the other things she complains about. <laughs> what, what was your, what was your thoughts on the script when you first read it and, and how you prepared for uh, for that character coming in to, to record. Yeah, well, one of the things I thought was like, there's a very like, you have this style of writing that's really, really cool and very true to just human nature, which I really love. Um, the second thought I had was, oh my gosh, she's so different from Jamie, who I'm playing in none of the above. Uh, I was like, have to switch character gears because we're in full reign of the show right now. Um, but yeah, it just kind of, changing it a little bit, but still having that, she, that bite that she has. Right. And a fun little fact, um, we actually have a cameo by the writer. She plays the voice of Siri on, on the phone when you, when you talk to your, your, your watch. So you, you will. Right. <laughs> How cool. I was very appreciative to be cast in the role of Siri. <laughs> it was very, it turned out great. I loved it. Uh, so none of the above kind of interested in the history of this play because uh, it premiered in New York City at the New Ohio Theater, 2003. Yes, yes, and Allison Pill was in it. Yes, I, I did. I read that. That's awesome. That was before many people even knew who she was at the time, I believe. Right? Yeah, it was. It was her first play on in New York. Awesome. That is great. So, from 2003 and it got published in 2009. What mm -hmm. kind of traction did it have? Well, that that's a really uh, really interesting question. It actually had a second production in New York in 2007 that Hallie Pfeiffer was in. Um, so it had this uh, amazing uh, production in 2003, and actually, Dramatist Play Service did cover it. So there, there was uh, somebody from Dramatist Play Service there. And I think maybe two people from Dramatist Play Service there, but I didn't really, you know, 
I, I don't think the play was officially submitted to them yet at that point. Um, and then the play was done. It was done again. And then it is. And, and I think they also came to see that one. And then at a certain point, I started to say, well, you know, at what point do we follow up with dramatist play service? <laughs> and um, and I and at, at a, and it was it wasn't until 2008 that my agent actually made the the submission official. Um, but before that, it was it was published in a um, in an anthology by by Vintage. So it was a little bit out in the world, and then the acting edition didn't, yeah, didn't happen until a little bit later. So the final version of that 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 people are seeing performed today is that the same as it was in two thousand three, or has it evolved any for the times or anything? Well, I well, it's funny because I actually when it was published in two thousand. I want to say 2005 or four by vintage. That was the original scoring system with the, with the, when it was uh, 1600. And then when, by the time the acting edition came out, it was, they had changed the SAT and added a section. So it was 2400 was the perfect score. And then it was changed back. And so I don't know how you guys are doing it. I think there's obviously a, yeah. Yeah. So we, we did up it. It was a little bit threw me for a loop a little bit because before I actually got the acting edition of um, the show after I'd, or after we decided on the show, we're doing the show um, but before I had gotten kind of my actor's edition, I just looked up um, the whatever version I could download and it was a much older version. And I was like, I was sitting there going, Oh, I'm not going to look good in nineties clothes. <laughs> this is going to be bad. Um, but no, we are doing um, the updated version of it. I don't think, I think though, like most of the writing isn't in, in this show, isn't really period specific. I think there are um, most of the references even made in there to celebrity and things are people that everybody still knows today. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to catch anybody out. So, I mean, yeah, I think um, it, it's really more of, I think Chris would be better to speak on this if he were here, but kind of in the set dressing and the way we're making everything look is really where, uh, where that I think the time period is yeah. really going to be displayed. So you are doing it as a slight, period piece set a few years ago. I think more we no, are present day. Yeah, it's more like more it's present, more present day as we yes. can get it. Excellent. Well, I mean, it's it's funny because they kept changing. They kept changing the test. They would change how many sections there were. They would change how how you get the score. You know, there used to be a thing with the printer and the envelope. There used to be a thing with an envelope that came in the mail. And then now it's, you know, you can get it online. And I did some updates this summer. There was a production in Colorado where the... Uh, you know, marijuana has now been legalized. And so it was no longer illicit to be selling marijuana. And so they said, can we change it to cocaine? And I said, no, thank you. You know, <laughs> I, I don't want Jamie to be a cocaine dealer. And <laughs> so I said, I said, you can change it to pharmaceutical drugs, which I thought was more plausible for, you know, this social milieu, because uh, all the, you know, private schools uh, these days, there's some stuff going on with people stealing their parents' pharmaceutical drugs and stuff. So, so um, I did do a few updates, you know, for that. Um, for that, we also changed the Donald Trump joke because we felt it was a little bit. We did change the name of Donald Trump. I think we uh, Elon Musk. Yeah, we changed it. To Elon, Elon Musk. I think that's what we did. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so crazy. Oh my um, gosh. But as, as far as the marijuana reference, like, well, we're still in Georgia, so it still works. So. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As long as long as the marijuana works, I think I think it's it's funny. So 
Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we're having a great, it, it is fun to kind of um, play with because it, especially with any two person show, but these, your dialogue can shift tones very quickly and it's fun mm -hmm. to play with that um, because it, especially when you've only got two people on stage, if you're sitting just monotone for like more than like a minute or two, like the, everybody's getting yeah. bored. You got to be able to change it up. So it is really fun to have something where you don't have to work too hard to be dynamic. It's kind of just in the writing there for you. You need to follow mm -hmm. along. I think one of the questions I had, um, cause it's really interesting when you start looking into situations of addiction, um, kind of in the cliches, you always start seeing hardcore substance addiction. So I guess what, I guess what was the impetus for you to get to take an addiction like gambling? Um, cause, cause at least on my end, like I see Clark as somebody who like he very vocally, like he has a, a issue that he's found himself in because of his gambling problem, but he also is kind of gambling on Shelby a little bit as much as he says, he's, or Jamie, as much as she says she's not. So I guess what, what was the impetus? Cause I think kind of the, the go-to or what you see a lot when people are really trying to kind of de depict that kind of dark past is more of like a, more of a hard substance abuse or something like that. Right. Well, I, I, I just wanted him to, you know, I mean, he's a mathematical genius and kind of a savant. And so I could just imagine him kind of easily, you know, falling into that trap because what he's actually doing with his life, you know, getting a PhD in linguistics is so not lucrative. And, you know, it's another kind of great and stimulating use of his brain, but it's, you know, kind of uh, setting him back, you know, a lot in terms of, you know, the financial side. It's, it's, he's getting this costly graduate degree and, you know, he has all these expenses that we learn about. So, um, so yeah, I just thought it was a really interesting kind of addiction for someone who's already so addicted to, to numbers. No, it's, uh, it's interesting to think because it made me think about different things. Like even at one point, I know we start doing like with the index cards going over thing. And we, when we originally started talking about it, um, I was like, all right, well, I'll go get some playing cards and I'll learn some tricks. And I was like, wait, no, I wouldn't do it with playing cards. I'd do it with index cards because she later has a thing where like, I won't even touch the playing cards. So she has to convince me to do it. So like it's, it raises some interesting questions when you start thinking about just the little idiosyncrasies in their communication of what they're doing when they're going through all this. Mm -hmm. And I think also sometimes people try to get out of being in certain addictions and they end up in other ones, you know? So you obviously grew up in this dysfunctional household and there may have been drinking or whatever. So that's not, you know, but, but there wasn't a lot of card playing. So it yeah. didn't maybe occur to you. Um, have you ever gotten backlash for the age difference between Jamie and Clark of the 17 and graduate school? Well, that's why I actually wrote in the published version that he should be, you know, 20 or 21. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, I, what I kind of wanted to do was have a situation where everything was forbidden, you know, and then all of the forbidden things kind of one by one go away. And, you know, um, the age difference is really big, but then she graduates and then it's really only a three or four year age difference. And he's her teacher, but then at the end, you know, he's not her teacher and, you know, all of the, um, and, and she's so kind of, um, yeah, I mean, I don't tell you guys how to do the play, but you know, you know, the, the dynamic between them, you know, changes over, over time and it becomes a much more you know, equal dynamic. But yes, I have definitely had backlash where it was cast with somebody who looked 
12, you know, and like not, not in a production, but in a reading, someone, you know, they said to me, do you want this girl who looks really young or do you want this older girl? And it was like very clear to me in, you know, retrospect that I, I not, not having met either girl, like I totally picked wrong because I picked the one who looked much younger. And then she looked so young that people were like, oh, my God, it's whatever. But that's not, you know, you know, I I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, scandalous and, you know, talk about a, you know, it, it, I think it should be a kind of fun romantic comedy. And that's actually not how I began writing the play. I didn't think it was a romantic comedy and I didn't think they were going to get together. Well, no, I think it's, I think even the romantic side of it, it's very subtle. Um, and I think just mm -hmm. in kind of the way that, that you play it um, now, we're kind of doing it and we're obviously playing into the romantic comedy side of it. But I think if we weren't leaning into that, there are possibilities where you could just make it very slight. Um, we were actually discussing what we were like, we've got to do this enough to show it. Otherwise we're going to reach the end of the play and people are going to go, what? Yeah. There's a, a, a romance. What's going on? Because it is so subtly done. Like if you, mm -hmm. if you just kind of skimp over it, you can miss it entirely. Right. Yeah. The stuff we're adding that's making it romantic. Like we're making like little moments in there. Yeah. That's... It's making it so, cause without it, it would be like, okay, they could be friends. You yeah. Know? Like, there's there's because there's obviously a lot of camaraderie there and as they go through they're building this rapport and they're getting to know each other and kind of firing back on on one another um but you really yeah we've been trying to build like the cutesy little moments in there to kind of show like oh there there is some kind of feeling there these are these aren't, aren't just people who like have grown a mentorship or anything mm -hmm. um but i think it's nice too to not also like hammer hammer things like that over an audience's head yeah. you know to really let them start picking up on those little cues because it, it it's, yeah, it's it's fun to be able to play with those things rather than just happen to, yeah. I don't know, speak everything. Out. The, 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 yeah, the subtext doesn't need to always be out loud. Is I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. I think keeping it subtle throughout, I don't know, a little bit of foreshadowing, but not too much <laughs> that, no, there is something there, like you said, a connection. So, Ginny Lynn, um, what other works do you have published out there? I know you got the Bader's Dozen. That's like a dozen of your uh, of your short plays, which I read through all those are all fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Well, you are obviously very uh, knowledgeable about short plays, so that's very meaningful. Uh, I have a f another a full length that's um, that's published by Next Stage Press, and it's called In Flight, and it's a comedy in verse it's written in it's it's also a romantic comedy and it's in rhymed couplets so uh but it's it's the first verse play set at the offices of an in-flight airline magazine so also a little bit retro and fun uh so i have a um recent play that i co-authored with my friend martine sainville uh called strange happenings at the school library and it's about a librarian who moves into a library during COVID and what happens there. And it is um, sort of can be done with a very, very large cast or a very small cast, uh, depending. And that's also published by Next Stage Press. And then I have about 20 short plays that are published sort of in the world. Bader's Dozen is just something that's on New Play Exchange. And I, I just put it together for a friend of mine who wanted to read all of my most kind of simply producible plays. Um, 
and the ones, you know, they, they were doing something in a cabaret space and they wanted to know what plays of yours can I do that I don't really need a lot of set pieces and I don't need this and I don't need that. And I have some cycles. I have some short play cycles, but I didn't, ha didn't have any kind of group of plays that was like that, you know, so, um, so I have a, a cycle that's been done a few times called Out of Mind, six short plays with some of the people missing. And that's all about invisible characters. And um, I have another uh, cycle that's called The Age of Trump. That's all kind of plays about politics. And uh, I, I've had a, a cycle called Emotionally Correct. That's that's a um, that's three short plays that are sort of you know, connected by that theme. Are you working on anything right now? Do you have any ideas? Are you more of like an outline person or do you just like dive into writing without outlining anything and just hope the characters? I am, I am not an outline person. Okay. I mean, man, I wish I were an outline person. I, I've tried, I've occasionally, occasionally I know the ending, but often I'm figuring it out. And that's actually kind of an advantage if, in, if you write a romantic comedy, because then you have you know you get it you can be as surprised as the audiences uh by what happens um i have a his i have some historical plays i have a historical drama that was uh performed that was premiered this summer called petticoat government about edith wilson the woman who ran the white house uh and that and the, the fun of historical plays is that you know uh, you know, you do know what's going to happen. <laughs> yes, yes, it's already happened. Uh, I have a play about the arrest of Hannah Arendt in 1933 Berlin that uh, was done a couple of years ago. It was going to pre-pandemic and and now it's going to be uh, done in New York next fall. Um, and that is, that's something that I'm working on now. And uh, I have... Um, a play called Tree Confessions, which is an audio piece, and it was recorded by the wonderful Broadway actress Kathleen Shelfont. And it's a play that's self-scheduled that you can listen to anywhere um, where a tree basically starts talking to you. So it's a monologue from the point of view of a tree. And that play has been uh, translated into Spanish. It's being done in Argentina next week in a botanical garden. It's um, just been translated into Italian. And um, I wrote it for a, a site-specific uh, company called This Is Not a Theater Company, where they do sort of plays in unexpected places. So but sometimes they'll do it in a physical place, and sometimes they'll say, look, you can do this at home. So uh, you can do this in your own backyard by your own tree. And that's kind of, that's kind of fun, the advent of self-scheduled theater. But, you know, it's also really fun to be with people in a room. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than none of the above uh, going on here in Augusta, Georgia, what what else do you have coming up that people can go check out and see your work? Well, uh, the I have some a few different things coming up in Argentina. <laughs> if anyone's in Argentina, and uh, I have uh, coming to Off Broadway this play, um, Mrs. Sternwander's The Prussian State Library. I'm I, I may be shortening the title by the time it comes to Off-Broadway in, in the fall, uh, because when people were, were calling the box office New Jersey, they couldn't always remember the whole title. So this, <laughs> I, understand, I understood this is a problem, but it's uh, it's a play about the arrest of the great thinker, Hannah Arendt, in uh, 1933 Berlin. And it's inspired by a few lines 
in an interview that she once gave where she talked about coming in and being accused of collecting horror propaganda, which, you know, anti-Semitic cartoons, which would have been a capital crime at that time. She would have been possibly executed. And she said, I was arrested by a young man with an open face, kind young man with an open face. It was his first uh, week in this new job. He had just been promoted from the criminal police to the political police. He didn't really know what to do with me. And I told him a tall story and I made friends with him. And so we don't know what the tall story was, but I have decided to figure that out. I like it. That's a cool concept. I like it. It's, I mean, it's, it's a kind of an incredible setup because here is the guy who is, you know, it's his first week. Can you imagine your first week in a new job? You've never done a political interrogation, only, you know, violent criminals and stuff. And here's this young woman. She happens to be the greatest thinker of the 20th century. And you have to interrogate her, you know, <laughs> here she is trying to figure out, do I befriend this person? Do I trust this person? And, uh, and then there's a third character I also brought in who is not who is, is kind of mentioned later in the, in the interview um, because it, she mentions that the, the Zionists send a, a lawyer to defend her, which, and then I thought to myself, well, wouldn't that be terrible if you had just convinced your interrogator, you weren't working for the Zionists. And then they send you a lawyer who shows up. So things could get really complicated there. So it is a, it is a three character play inspired by real events. And then um, I'm writing something for the uh, launch in May of a new stat a sculpture in uh, Lexington, Massachusetts, um, where the sort of American Revolution is memorialized, you know, on um, where the first battle was. But they've so far only had statues of men. And there's this sculpture of all these women, some of whom were involved in the re revolution or in other things in American history. And that, um, that sculpture is going to have some things to say soon. So that's, that's in progress for the spring. And, um, and then I have some stuff online that people can check out. Nice. And speaking of online, so where is the best place for people to find you and stalk you and all that stuff to follow up and see what you're up to? Oh, well, they can stalk me on um, LinkedIn, on uh, my website, JennyLynnBader.com, on Twitter, X. Yeah, I'm not much of an Instagrammer. I mean, I really should be because everybody's on it, but I'm just, I'm, I'm more into words than pictures. What can I say? No. All right. Well, uh, Shelby and Mickey, thank you for uh, joining us and sharing your thoughts and your words and your voices. Always great to have you. Thank, Thank you, you. Boss. Have a good one. And uh, everyone out there listening, Augusta, Georgia, come see None of the Above. It opens February 9th at Le Chat Noir Theater. Uh, come check it out. Great script, great actors, awesome director behind it. Jenny Lynn, keep creating, keep writing, and doing all that cool stuff you do. And I, it was great meeting you. And I just, I really hope that we can collaborate again in the future. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me be part of Gather by the Ghost Light. It's so great to meet all of you. Thank you all for listening. And if you are associated with a theater and you would like to produce the play you heard today on your stage, 
send an email to info at gatheredbythegostlight.com or contact the playwright directly at her website, jennylynnbader.com. If you'd like to have some cool Gathered by the Ghost Light merchandise, t-shirts are available in the merchandise link in the show notes, and you can also find the Gathered by the Ghost Light annual companion books available at Amazon. Intro and outro music, as always, is provided by artist JK47. And if you enjoy this podcast, maybe you're a longtime listener, or maybe this is the first episode you've ever heard. Let us know. Please leave us a rating or a review in all the places that you can, and be sure to follow Gather by the Ghost Light on social media to stay up to date on new episodes. I'm Jonathan Cook, and as always, stay safe, and I'll see you next time we Gather by the Ghost Light. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.